So today we're talking about the excesses of the charismatic movement. And as I say that, as I start with that statement, I want to make sure to clarify that we're not talking about the charismatic movement itself. We're not talking about mainstream issues like tongues and prophecy where there is a scriptural basis for those and whether you interpret it this way or that way, you're still basing it in scripture. We're not talking about those things. But what we're talking about today is excesses that go far beyond what we find in scripture. Things like, um, well we'll get into that a lot in a minute here. The major quote that we want to start with though is by Howard Hendricks where he says, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's pretty simple, right? Main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is the scriptural uh, principle that guides us as we follow God. We want to keep the big things of scripture the big things of scripture. We don't want to get hung up on small things that really aren't that, excuse me, that significant. One example that I think is really funny is when Paul talks about being baptized for the dead. Okay, There's a scripture that tells us to be baptized for the dead, or at least talks about them doing it. What if we took an entire um, denomination out of that? What if we were to start making that a big point of what we do? We don't even know what he was talking about there necessarily. I've heard some good answers. I have some different thoughts myself. But bottom line, it's one verse. And whether you interpret that like the Mormons do and actually do baptisms for dead people based on county records and state records and all that sort of stuff, death records, it's absurd because you're basing a huge part of your faith on one, one single verse. And of course, the Mormons are way off track in their entire theology, so it makes sense that they'd be off track in that small one. But see, a lot of people are doing the same thing with other small verses. One example that I'll say is Ephesians 5.18. People say that we should get drunk in the Spirit. You guys have probably heard that. I've heard that a lot. I've had people criticize me for not getting drunk in the Spirit. And they always tell me, Scripture commands us to get drunk in, this, in the Spirit. And I say, really? Tell me where Scripture says that. And they say Ephesians 5.18. Okay? Well, even if there was one verse that said that, I'd have to interpret that inside the context of the rest of Scripture. But they're misquoting Ephesians 5.18, which says, do not be drunk but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So when, when Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk, this is what I always ask them. Do you think it's talking about the wine or the drunkenness that the wine produces? Well, Jesus drank wine, the Apostle Paul drank wine, Timothy drank wine. So it's not talking about wine there, but it's talking about drunk behavior. That's why it doesn't say, do not drink wine. It says, do not be drunk. It says that that is what's wrong. So when Christians act like drunks, and they do it saying it's what the Holy Spirit is causing them to do, they're flat out denying the reality of this verse and then using this very verse to support their crazy behavior. And even going so far as to talk about the Holy Spirit bartender. You guys ever heard that term? That term, I've heard it and I cringe. It's absurd to me that people would take one of the most sinful actions that causes more harm in this universe than almost any other one thing I can imagine and then attribute that to the Holy Spirit, right? And I don't think very much comes closer to blasphemy of him than to attribute those types of behaviors to him. So anyway, we're not talking about the uh, different things in Scripture that we have different interpretations on, regarding, you know, depending on where we come from. But rather, we're talking about excesses that are outside of Scripture altogether. Things like getting drunk in the Spirit. And when I mention that, what's the typical response that you get? Don't put God in a box. That's what's always said. Don't put God in a box, right? Now, I agree that we should never, ever, ever put God in a box. That's crazy and absurd. 
But we shouldn't take God out of the box that he put himself in. And Angie, what box is that? His word. Yeah, his word. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, God put himself in a box called the Bible, his word. And he said that he's not going to go outside of that. It's his endearing word. He actually defined himself in John 1, 1 as the word, right? And he's not going to leave his own identity of the word. So we really got to get in the word, and that's what we're going to do today, and find out what the word says are the parameters for some of these issues. Now, as we get started, I'm going to mention some of those issues. First of all, like I mentioned a minute ago, drunk, being drunk in the spirit. Right? We already talked about that. Ephesians 5.18 does not say get drunk in the spirit. Rather, it says don't be drunk. Remember what the fruit of the spirit is? Self-control. <laughs> okay, not drunken behavior. Some people now are starting to promote being high in the spirit. Talking about smoking Holy Spirit um, pot and marijuana, Holy Spirit meth, and even Holy Spirit crack cocaine. This is crazy. Even forcing themselves to vomit after supposedly getting high in the Holy Spirit. A lot of these people have seen videos of these guys fondling and sucking on the breast of Christ, the breast of heaven, the breast of Lucy, the milk angel, and even fondling and sucking on cow tits, getting milk all over their faces, and then saying, 1 Peter 2.2 says to eagerly desire the pure milk of the word. Okay, that's not what 1 Peter 2.2 is talking about. It's not talking about sucking on a cow's it. It's talking about God's word helping us to grow out of infancy into the mature people that he's created us to be. Right, And right there in the verse is the context that tells us what it's all about. But they're taking that and going into these absurd things. A lot of these guys are getting into crazy things like spitting, birthing, revival, actually pretending like they're in labor, men pretending like they're in hard labor, screaming and making very disgusting gestures with their bodies. Uh, trying to birth a worldwide revival. That's not where worldwide revival comes from. Where do you think worldwide revival comes from, Dakota? Jesus. Jesus. And Christians following him, sharing their faith, making disciples of all nations like Jesus told us to, right? In Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Doesn't come through one man pretending like he is a pregnant woman. The ultra focus on signs, wonders, and healing is uh, scary. Remember Jesus in Matthew 24 said that that would be one of the characteristics of deception in the latter days, that people would be deceived by people performing signs and wonders. And so it's terrifying to me to look at the church today and see such an emphasis on those things in a lot of churches. And now I'd be the last person alive to say God can't do signs, wonders, and healings. I've seen him do all three especially healings. We've seen people healed of testicular cancer. One, one of the students, we've seen a student that wasn't supposed to live through the weekend come out of a coma with complete healing. Uh, in Nepal, I saw an entire village where 20 different people got healed and the whole village came to Christ. And God started doing some amazing things there as a result of it. So I know God can do those things whenever he desires. And he told you to pray for the sick, right? He tells us in scripture, especially if you're a leader, if you're an elder in the church, to pray for the sick. So we should pray for the sick, and we should expect God to do his will, and if that be to heal them, we should expect him to heal them, right? But we should not make that our focus or our priority. One of the men that I'll mention in a minute is Benny Hinn, who's made that his entire ministry, right? And that is not what any of us are supposed to do. Our entire ministry needs to be Jesus to him alone. Like Paul said, I have laid no other foundation other than Jesus, right? Okay, uh, there is also this thing called the spoken word now, 
where a lot of leaders begin to think and have talked to some of these men that their own spoken word is on the same level as God's word, right? The written word. So they say God's word exists as the written word and the spoken word. And the spoken word is whatever I happen to be saying today. I actually had one of these leaders in California tell me, he said, the biggest ministry principle I can tell you, okay? I asked him, what, what would be your ministry advice? It was my first year in full-time ministry. So what would be your ministry advice? And he says, the biggest advice I can tell you is don't rely on whatever God gave you yesterday, but get whatever his spoken word for you today is, okay? He didn't tell me go to God's word every day. He didn't tell me be faithful to do what God's word says every day. You'd think that that would be wise ministry advice, but rather he told me to look for some unknown spoken revelation on a daily basis to know what to do. That's not Christianity. That's actually following whatever you know idea or thought happens to come into my head that particular day. Okay, there is greed, materialism, and a desire for money in a lot of these areas, like you will never find it anywhere else almost, even to the point of people manipulating scripture to try and get you to pay them money to make certain things happen for you. I talked in this class earlier of a friend of mine who had paid $20 twice to this ministry that promised that your mortgage that would be miraculously paid off if you'd send them $20. Can you imagine this hoax? Send the ministry $20, we'll pray for you, but if, of course, if you just want people to be out of debt, why don't you just start praying now, right? Why are you waiting for a 20 to start praying? They said, we'll pray for you, and then God will miraculously make your mortgage disappear. It'll be paid for. And this gullible friend of mine actually paid the $20 twice, and trying to make sure that they got their mortgage paid off. And this ministry actually obliterated a verse from the Old Testament where King Saul said, if anyone will go and fight this Philistine, I will make his house free. Okay, looking for David before he found David. And the verse that they're using said that, <laughs> it says, the king dot 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 will dot 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 make dot 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 your house dot 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 free. <laughs> and so saying that God would make your house free if you supported their ministry. Absurd, greed, but with deception trying to lie to people. And deception is another key characteristic of this movement. And and going away from God's word and actually being deceptive about what they truly believe and truly mean. Okay, a hyper focus on demons and angels. I actually had somebody tell me if you want to win your city for Christ, you got to find by name every demon that's in your city and cast that demon out of the city by name. That's not Christianity, guys. I know people that will nail crosses into the mountains around town trying to drive out the evil spirits or nail planks into the ground with scripture verses written across them. That's not how we went in town for Jesus. Your prayer doesn't have to happen in a geographical location for God to hear it and answer. Your prayer can happen in a basement and be just as effective as anybody praying on a mountain peak, right? And, but what's happening is people don't really view God. A lot of these people would tell you, don't put God in a box, but they are putting God in a huge box. I know that my prayer is going to be answered according to God's will no matter where I stand on this earth. But when somebody starts to think, I have to drive a pillar into a mountaintop to get God to answer it, what's that? That's just like works-based religion. And it's believing that God really can't answer me and do his will unless I fulfill certain physical criteria ahead of time. Right? So this hyper-focus on demons and angels is crazy. And then people even get outside of scripture on that. Of course demons are real. I've seen demons. This is no joke. Of course demons are real. And I'm not going to live my life in fear of them. And I'm not going to live my life looking for them and searching for them, 
if I come to a place where that's an issue, we'll deal with it at that point. And as a son of God, I have authority over all those things through his blood and through his name alone. All right? A lot of times these people are overly focused on visions and dreams. Can God give you visions and dreams? Absolutely. Does he promise that he will, especially in the end times? Yes, he promises that we will have more dreams and visions. Right? So I'll be the last one to tell you that that can't happen. On the flip side of the coin, not every single dream that you dream has a spiritual meaning to it. Right? Not every single thing and thought that enters your head is a vision from God. Some might be, but I'm guessing probably most of them are not. Right? And when it is, like even if it is a dream or vision from God, well, that's going to have to have a high level of accountability and confirmation before you accept it as such. You would never accept it just because you had it and it must be from God. Okay, mysticism is making a resurgence, or a surgence, I don't know if it's ever been in the body of Christ, in the body of Christ lately. And this is crazy, mysticism has existed for millennia in non-Christian secular traditions. But now things like stigmata, astral projection, or spirit travel, Engaging, even one, uh, one man calls it engaging the cloud of witnesses and seeking their assistance in this life. Just to clarify, remember what happened when Saul sought Samuel in the Old Testament and he sought his assistance? Remember that? And God says he killed Saul for doing that. Right? Now, this man is telling you that you need to seek the assistance of the cloud of witnesses of Hebrews 11, which Samuel is mentioned in Hebrews 11. Right? So this supposedly Christian teacher is telling you, you need to seek the assistance of Samuel and other heroes of the faith, when God himself in Scripture says he killed someone for seeking the assistance of Samuel. Do you see how contrary to God's word it is what some of these people are preaching? But the problem is, is that they are so focused on not putting God in a box that they don't look at the box God said he's in. Right? They don't look at Scripture and see what is okay and what is not okay. Okay, other different aspects of mysticism, levitation, body elongation, extremely bizarre miracles like trying to control time and trying to change time and things like that, talking with animals, I'm not joking, Christians are promoting talking with animals, shape-shifting, literally Christians condoning and telling you to shape-shift and turn into animals, to change your sex, to turn into other people. This is absolutely crazy. Right? Invisibility miracles and trances, all these things are prevalent in mysticism, not in scripture. Right? And we don't need to become more like mystics, we need to become more like Jesus. Okay, what about barking, chirping, howling, oinking, and producing other crazy animal noises, and then saying that you're doing that through the inspiration of God, when God himself tells us that that is not in order. And I know some of you are going to use some of those verses in a minute, so it's important to to get back to those. Shaking and other uncontrolled behavior, which does not exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, nor, remember, self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Whenever I see a lack of self-control, I could deduce that's not the Holy Spirit, because he says he promotes self-control. I was in a service once where the pastor was preaching, and he was preaching a really good message. He's actually a pastor that I respect a lot. And out of the blue, a man stood up and started racing around the audience, screaming as loud as he could and flailing like crazy. Okay, this man was exhibiting what every instance in scripture of demon possession mentioned. Okay? Uncontrolled flailing and screaming. I mean, if you saw this anytime in scripture, people are saying, Jesus, heal this guy. He's demon possessed. Okay? 
Now, I don't know what was inspiring that guy, and I'm not going to claim to. I don't know if it's just his flesh or what it was. But all I do know is he was in the middle of a church service where everything is supposed to be done in order because God is not a God of disorder or of chaos. And this guy was acting like an absolute fool. Okay, That is crazy. That is not operating in the self-control that the Holy Spirit produces. Okay, what about angel footprints and feathers? Even though the angel feathers that have supposedly fallen in different worship services were all analyzed by Charisma Magazine, a Christian um, charismatic magazine, and found to be nothing but bird feathers, these people still almost worship these as angel feathers, as if angels even had bird feathers, right? I think angels are spiritual in a sense that's far beyond a physical bird feather. Anyway, but these, these, these signs and wonders are leading people far away from the, the truth of God's word. Gold dust and gold teeth, as if the tooth that God designed perfectly for your mouth is not sufficient and you need a gold one, right? A gold one is not, I mean, if God, if that was the best, God would have made them all gold in the first place, right? Okay? But he gave us his perfect design. And I don't need gold for money in my tooth because I have to start pulling teeth to get money, right? When God already told me in Philippians 4 that he'll provide all my needs. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't need gold dust to fall for God to provide my needs. I need to tithe and be generous with the money that he's given me so that he can bless me in turn. Right? So a lot of this stuff is absolutely crazy. And they've been found to be frauds. Again, the, dole, the gold dust has been analyzed also by Charisma Magazine. Found to be nothing but, but plastic glitter. That's it. And they actually have videos of people, um, Sylvania Mikado, one of the main proponents of this, shoving it in her hair before she goes out to preach so she could shake her head and fall out. And hundreds of people, even thousands of people, freak out and think they're witnessing a miracle. When in reality, it was a fabrication by this woman that was doing nothing but, but slaughtering God's sheep and you know, taking them for their money. Gemstones falling from heaven, literally. And then they've caught this on video, too. Major proponents of this, having people above the auditorium chucking fake gemstones into the audience, right? And they've caught it on video and then confronted those people. Okay, what's this all about? You're, you're, you're faking a miracle from God. Oh, well, that was just part of it. It was also really happening. <laughs> Come on, guys. Don't be so shaky. They've actually caught people. I think Glenn Smith was one of the guys that caught uh, a big pastor in, uh, in Arizona planting real gemstones throughout his church so that people would find them and think they were from God. And then when they confronted him with it, he even said, well, okay, so you caught me, but it doesn't mean that the rest of it isn't real. God still gives us gemstones. I was just helping God along. <laughs> okay. Well, you don't, if it's a miracle, you don't need to help God. God can do what he wants. And besides, God's not going to do a miracle that causes you to be jealous and greedy. He already said that those are not the things that he is after. What about manna? That's a huge one. Back in, in Exodus, when God's talking about manna, he talks about putting it in the ark for the future generations to see, um, indicating that future generations are not going to have any manna. Right? I don't need manna to come down. Right? I am well fed and fat. Remember what Jesus said? That he was the manna that came down from heaven. So Jesus himself is the manna that we need to seek, right? The food from God. I don't need to seek some other bizarre miracle to feel like God is connected with me. All this goes back fundamentally to a concept on life or a perspective on life that I am not satisfied with Christ alone and I need something more. And we call this the law of diminishing returns and it's one of the criteria of deception we'll get to. 
but it goes from bad to worse. It goes worse, 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 worse when we fall into deception. So it might start with Holy Spirit marijuana, then it might go to Holy Spirit meth, then it might go to Holy Spirit crack cocaine. You see how it's getting from bad to worse, right? And I fear in a lot of these things, and I, you can mark my words almost, I believe this is coming. I, I do not claim this to be prophetic either. So it might not come at all, you know? But I believe in our lifetimes, we'll see Christians promoting sexual immorality, saying that it's a form of godliness. Because you look at going from bad to worse, and that's where it gets. That's about all that's left, right? Okay, some of the people, well, I won't even get into the whole list of people that have been found to be frauds. Maybe I'll list a few. Uh, Silvania Mikado, Glenn Smith, Dennis Rojas, Patricia King, Todd Bentley is, uh, is big. In fact, he's touring the circuit again. He was just down in Albuquerque recently. And they're promoting it in our city. And I told these people, you keep promoting that, I will publicly confront you. I will publicly oppose you to everybody in this town if you don't stop promoting that. And they never promoted it after that. This man is off track scripturally, kicking people in the face with his biker boots because he says the Holy Spirit told him to, ramming them in the stomach with his head because he said the Holy Spirit told him to, having bizarre experiences, telling people that Jesus is going to physically return to earth for one of his meetings, even though Christ told us that would not be the case. And Christ told us to watch out for people that claim that, right? Because he said we would all see when it happened. And this man, beyond just his, um, his deception, <laughs> he had a huge affair with his secretary, okay? This is just like two years ago. Leaves his wife, has an affair with his secretary, actually started the affair before he left his wife, then left his wife, then divorced his wife, then married his secretary, who he's having an affair with. Left his so-called ministry for about a year, and now he's back doing it again. And that's not repentance, that's not godliness. In fact, scripture, if you look at 1 Timothy 3, is very clear that if somebody's sexually immoral, they should not be a leader. Or if they've fallen sexually, they should not be a leader. That doesn't mean that God can't restore them to a place of ministry at some point in their lives. But it does mean that there's going to be some serious time involved in them building credibility and getting past that sexual immorality. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and I know, I know people that have fallen in sexual immorality, and they've intentionally stepped back and said, I need to not be in ministry for a while, and I need to focus on God and grow back to a point where I can actually be trusted again, because they just broke some people's trust. Okay, Todd Bentley, Benny Hinn who's probably one of the most famous people in the signs and wonders and healing and name it and claim it um, aspects of Christianity, just got divorced recently from his wife after a lot of pictures came out in the tabloids of him walking hand in hand with another ultra-charismatic leader, right? Uh, when he was married to his wife, and his wife divorced him right after that. He claims nothing was happening with this other woman. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I know he's my brother in Christ. But those are not things that the Holy Spirit produces, right? And a lot of these people are being found out. Again, a big one that, that is uh, promoting a lot of the stuff that I just mentioned is John Crowder. And we also opposed him. He came to our town uh, about two years ago. And I took a very public and hard stand against him and took a lot of flack for it. But also, as always, when you, when you take a hard stand, um, for the right thing, you can know that you're being true to God. And a lot of leaders probably... 75% of the leaders that talked to me after this hard stand thanked me because they didn't know who this man was and they thanked me for warning them in their churches about him. Uh, but probably about 25%, only seven or eight leaders were pretty mad at me for taking that stand. But that's okay, guys. So that's kind of the description of the excesses. Now, what is the box that God put himself in regarding these issues? And 
we're going to go to Heather. So Heather, why don't you come up and share with us some of, uh, some of what guys were testing.
really quick here. Alright, so do these any of these issues you have a picture of poor deception? And all of them do. So like Nate went over a lot of these and um first one emphasis on signs and wonders. I mean, gems coming down from heaven. I mean, if you're relying on that, like that's not good at all. Uh, division among believers, what they believe is obviously not God's word and what we believe is truth. That's gonna divide us. Flattery and nice sounding arguments that are actually empty but but deceive the naive. And yeah, like of course if you like to take drugs or something or smoke, like that's gonna sound awesome, like, oh I can be Christ like and smoke. You're gonna be deceived. Um distractions from simple and pure devotion to Christ. Yeah, I mean all these things that they're focusing on is anything but Christ, and that is not what we need to be focusing on. Focusing on, but we do need to focus on Christ. Foolishness. I mean, like even on the tip, Jesus or something. Like, how foolish does that sound? It just doesn't flow. I don't know. <laughs> um, physical roughness. Yeah. If you're acting drunk, I mean, you're gonna probably get hurt. You're not gonna do the smartest things. Uh, legalism and manipulation, uh, like Nate was saying, some pastors manipulate God's word and ask scripture to fit what they want to get across and what their own selfish desires are trying to do. Special revelation from God, an uncommon, uncommon form of Christianity. There's many stuff like that, especially with, uh, like I saw some of uh, John Crowder's stuff. I mean, it's just crazy how that guy thinks and what he's trying to get, what, how he thinks of God. Uh, specula speculation and fruitless discussion. If it's not talking about Jesus, it's really fruitless. And that's what a lot of them deal with. Distraction from doing God's work by faith. If you're not focusing on God, you're not working or doing anything by faith. Uh, confidence without understanding. I mean, it sounds like a lot of these people really don't have a, really, a good grasp on God's word. And so they're not really following him, His truth. Does it continue going further and further? away from truth and getting crazier and crazier. Absolutely. I mean, like Nate was saying, like it might be a spiritual pot and go spiritual meth and just gets bigger and bigger and gets crazier and crazier. Um, strange doctrine, doctrines, myths, stories which differ from sound doctrine. I mean, if you, it's just for stigmata, levitation, all this crazy stuff that it's, it's crazy, you know. Um, hidden agenda. It's a big one, like Nate was saying. Uh, pastors, leaders try to, they really just greed and they want to tell these things to fit their desires and stuff and want money and whatnot. Sensuality and appeal to people's fleshy desires and emotions. I mean, yeah, it's a big one, you know. People want to go drink and they can find a way to do that. Like, they can go for that and try to, and then fall into their sinful desires. Greed mater materialism. Yeah, big one. If you're not focusing on God and really relying on Him to that He's providing everything for you, and you just want gems or gold dust to come into your life and make everything awesome and pay everything off, I mean, you're being deceived. Taking advantage of people, again, like you can, like Nate was telling about, send us $20 and we'll pay your, God will pay your mortgage off. Like they're just doing that just to get money. Pride is a huge one. I mean, I know. Even when they were confronted about how crazy it was, they're just like, no, it's not, it's not crazy. The promise of freedom, of something more, all of them.
them see that, they're all saying, they're all saying that, oh, if you do this, you know, you're going to be right with God. And it's definitely not right. And uh, last thing, non-Christian actions, non-Christian actions, all that stuff is just leading us into deception, not really following what God wants for us. We're not acting like Christians. So, let's conclude it out. History and the fruit. So the history is uh, many of these things came like body elongation and spirit travel is has been part of mysticism and has not been part of Christianity. And it's been part of mysticism a lot longer than it has been part of Christianity. And it has been in part of scriptures probably at all. Also, many of the things that uh, the charismatic movement does are bits of scripture that like it's true it was in scripture but it's taken out of context and then blown out of, out of proportion and made to be way more important than it needs to be whatever was meant to be then the, some of the fruit of this stuff is um failing to just to test and discern the spirits failing to, failing to test prophecy gossip backstabbing division among believers like dakota said sex as an sec Yes, uh, being very carnal, uh, being deceived, and being immature and being very greedy. Yeah, so that's kind of all of it. Uh, it's crazy. I would encourage you guys expect the bad to go from bad to worse. Like Scripture tells us, I've heard, I've heard, actually the same pastor that was telling me that I needed this spoken word uh, every day and neglecting somehow. Word of God. Um, and obviously, I know God can talk to you in your mind. He can talk to you in your thoughts. He can talk to you through another person. But that would never be, I would never put that on the level of His Please. written word. You know what I mean? I know for certain that His word in Scripture is legit for today. It's living and active, Scripture tells me. Right? But I heard that same pastor actually screaming in church. I command you, God. I command you, God. I command you, God. Do this. I command you, God. And uh, I, he's not the first guy that I've heard saying that. Uh, another person that I've heard saying that, I asked him, "How? Oh, wait, you're commanding God? I mean, God is God. God commands us. We don't command him. He goes, no, God likes it when we command him. <laughs> I just went, is this just like make-believe day? You know what I mean? Like, why would you even want to command God? I mean, seriously, guys. <laughs> that's pride at a level that I have never even comprehended, right? I mean, to think that me, a sinful, finite human being, would have the uh, capacity to tell God what to do, that's just absurd. That's, that's why Satan fell from heaven, literally, okay? So expect things to go from bad to worse, and expect some of your friends to buy into it. I'm not joking. People that you respect and love more than you can imagine, will totally buy into this. And I say that only because people I have discipled have bought into this. People that have come through our ministry have bought into this. And it's not because they're bad people. They love God as much as any of us in this room. But it's because their spiritual filter, their discernment, their knowledge of God's word is insufficient. And they are really ready to grab something regardless of what scripture says. So be the person that's going to be able to stand hard on truth and say, you guys, 
here's the truth. In fact, I had to sit down with one friend, and he went through. He was going through a video with John Bevere, saying that every Christian needs their own Pentecost experience, right? Where you get the Holy Spirit. And I said, whoa, 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 pause the video. Pause it. He paused it. I said, let's look at what it says in John 7, 37 through 39. Jesus himself says that whoever believes in him, out of him will flow rivers of living water. And then John clarifies what Jesus meant. John says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he meant that concerning all believers and the fact that every single one that believed in him would have the Holy Spirit. So I said, okay, Bible says you believe in God to get the Holy Spirit. John Bevere says otherwise. Who's right? And this friend of mine goes, John Bevere. I mean, no joke. I'm, I'm like, no, 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 no. 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, Ephesians 1. I was just going passage after passage. Believers, all. 1 Corinthians 12, buddy, come on, verse 13. All of us have been baptized into his family. No, John Bevere is right. John Bevere is right. And this guy, we press play to keep listening. This pride and arrogance typify some of this stuff in ways that you can't imagine. He continued by saying, I know if somebody has the Holy Spirit, I know if they have the Holy Spirit in them. You know how he said that? Or you know what he said to him as evidence? He said, I can just tell by whether they interest me. If they, if they catch my interest, I know that they have the Holy Spirit. I thought, that, that is a level of pride that is unfathomable to me, right? I know a lot of people that are grumpy, nasty people are full of the Holy Spirit, just not walking in His power at that time. And a lot of very nice Buddhists aren't. So, and I know a lot of people that are dry and boring and full of the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to be careful what I say. There's some apologists I love that are pretty dry and boring, but they're brilliant and full of the Holy Spirit and doing a great job of standing up for Christ. There are a lot of very entertaining people that, uh, that live in Hollywood, make lots of money, and are very far from being full of the Holy Spirit. So you guys, I want to encourage you, go back to the box that God put himself in, and then don't put God in a box from there. Keep him in his word, and then like Angie said, expect him to rock your world within what he's already told us he can do. So let's pray, and, and just be vigilant for the rest of your lives, and be willing to stand in God's word. Heather, will you close us in prayer?